What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Shoes from Three Guys Talking, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. here of Talking Twins. We greatly appreciate it as we start to reach the middle of August now and get closer and closer to that playoff push. We we thank you guys for joining us for another week of Talking Twins and talking some Minnesota Twins baseball. Just remember, you can always come check us out on the internet, and that is our website, www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com. Of course, you can always check us out on Facebook as well, and that is facebook.com slash talkingtwins. And then on Twitter, please check us out and use the handle at talkingtwins. So with that, we're going to get into the show on, on our Down on the Farm segment as I bring uh, my co-host Daryl Yates in here, and we will start off, as always, by covering our Down on the Farm Stars of the Week. After the Stars, we do have a special interview for you guys this week. That is Twins draft pick Riley Wydell. So we'll sit down with Riley and, and talk with him about you know some things, including his draft experience, uh, kind of his you know the whole process that he's going through right now, and a whole lot more. But first, let's get it off with the Down on the Farm Stars of the Week. And, Daryl, we start down in Cedar Rapids with – the Colonels, who do you have for us as your Cedar Rapids Colonel Star of the Week? Well, my Star of the Week is a pitcher that we took last year in the 33rd round, and that's Clark Beaker. Now, the 24-year-old has been on some kind of a tear this year. He's extended his scoreline hitting, inning streak to 32 and two-thirds inning, allowing just three, and then this last out, he allowed just three three hits over seven solid innings against the Quad City Bandits. We were actually there, Brad, for that one. That was uh, pretty exciting. He didn't get any strikes out. But, boy, he really commanded the ball well, had great defense behind him. On the year, he's uh, 11-3. He owns a 2.03 ERA, 84 strikeouts to just 17 uh, base on balls, with a batting batter's average against of 217. And, side note, he was just promoted and a well-deserved promotion after these numbers you just heard to high, high A Fort Myers. Very nice, very nice indeed. So congratulations goes out to Clark Beaker on the promotion of the Fort Myers Miracle. And the, this week for my star of the week in Cedar Rapids, I have Shane Carrier, the left fielder for the Colonels, who has been pretty hot at the plate in the last 10 games with a 400 average over his last 10 games. That's a 16 for 40 clip, uh, three doubles for Shane, three homers as well, seven RBI and five runs scored and mixed in there five multi-hit games over his last 10. So uh, from an offensive standpoint, Shane Carrier has been, been lights out for Cedar Rapids. 
So that's my my star of the week for the Colonels. So again, that's Clark Beaker, the pitcher as Daryl Star of Week of the Week, excuse me, and Shane Carrier for me, the left fielder, as my star of the week. Now we do move on. That means two high A, as Daryl mentioned, the Fort Myers Miracle. And I'll start there with my uh, star of the week, and that is Xander Wheel. And he's he's been on our list uh, many times before, but the first baseman down for the Miracle is in his last 10 games hitting 371. That's a 13 for 35 clip, and he's done that with three doubles, a triple, a home run, six RBIs, nine runs scored, and he's also got five multi-hit games in his last 10. So definitely been a, an offensive you know, producer for the Fort Myers Miracle, so that's my star. Uh, Daryl, who's your Fort Myers Miracle star of the week? Well, my guy is Bren Rooker, our second first-round pick. That was uh, picked in the competitive balance uh, of uh, 2017. Now, he started out in E-Town. He got promoted, skipped Cedar Rapids, went to Fort Myers. He'll be on our list probably quite a bit next year. Well, and that'll probably be it because then he'll probably be in the bigs. But Brent Rooker is in 314, four bombs, 19 RBI, and nine runs scored over the last 10 games. Now in the year between the two, between uh, E-Town and Fort Myers, in 267, 13 home runs, 40 RBI, and 33 runs scored. He's been on a real tear lately. Okay, so again, that's our Fort Myers Miracle Stars of the Week. For Daryl, it's Brent Rooker. Um, for me, it's Xander Wheel. So that'll that'll take us up to double A, and that is the Chattanooga Lookouts. Um, I'll let Daryl go ahead and give us first his Lookout Star of the Week. Well, I'm going to take our number two overall prospect, and that's shortstop Nick Gordon. Uh, he's hitting a solid 318. Went to a bit of a slump there in July, but he's on a tear now. He's hitting 318, a homer, five RBI, nine runs scored, and a stolen base. And on the season, he's still hitting 289. He's with an on-base percentage of 360. That's solid. Uh, 44 extra base hits, 58 RBI, 71 runs score. So Nick Gordon, my star of the week for Chattanooga. Very, very nice. And I've got Edgar Corsino, the right fielder for the Lookouts. Uh, over the last 10 games, uh, Edgar's been hitting 394. That's a 13 for 33 clip. Two doubles, a triple, a couple of RBIs mixed in there, four runs, a stolen base and four multi-hit games. So uh, another nice offensive showing this week. It's it's offense down in, in Chattanooga. So as we wrap it up again there, again, Daryl's got Nick Gordon for his star of the week. I've got Edgar Corsino, and that means we've got one last stop on the on the farm tour, and that is the Rochester Red Wings. And I'm going to let Daryl go first with his uh, final star of the week for the Red Wings. Well, my guy is none other than best prospecting catcher. Well, maybe not, but one of our favorite guys, Mitch Garver, you know, 26-year-old, selected by the Twins back in the ninth round in 2013. He's been great all year. reason why he's not up is unbeknownst to me, unless they just want him for the, a possible playoff opportunity in Rochester. But he's he's as ready as any minor leaguer in the organization uh, to play with the Twins. He's hitting a whopping 447, the pair of Daners, six doubles, two ribbies, and nine runs scored. Nandi year is hitting 289. With an on-base percentage of 387, he's slugging 540, which leads the entire organization. He also leads the organization with 17 home runs, plus he has 28 doubles, 44 runs batted in, and 55, 55 runs scored. Mitch Garber is my star of the week. Well, and you mentioned the September uh, the September kind of call-ups and what's going to happen there. We're going to discuss the, the potential uh, additions from the 40-man roster in September later on in the dugout, and there there is going to be some some kind of updated talk on, on Mitch Garver, so we'll, we'll get to that a little later on in the show. Uh, my star of the week down in Rochester is Daniel Polka, the right fielder. 
Uh, Palka, over his last 10 games, has also been pretty solid with a 341 average. That's a 15 for 44 clip. Three doubles, a home run, six RBI, six runs scored, and four multi-hit games. So again, a couple of offensive offensive stars down at Rochester at Mitch Garver and Daniel Palka. But here's where I throw in the surprise because there is an honorable mention. And that was because I had to battle between two guys. And the second guy is a guy that you've, you may have heard his name once or twice on our show, and that is Steven Gonsalves. Now, Gonsalves has made two starts in, in Rochester for the Red Wings. Uh, got his first win, actually, on Tuesday night as at, at AAA level. So, you know, always congratulations to somebody when you get your, you know, first win, first hit at, at you know, at the new level you move up to. But in two games started, he's 1-0 with a 2.08 ERA. He's pitched 13 innings already in two games. Only allowed eight hits over those 13 innings and has a 15 strikeout to just two walks in his two starts in, in Rochester. So, And then looking at the season numbers, obviously, with Chattanooga and Rochester combined, it's a 9-3 and record for Steven. More importantly, the numbers that follow, a 2.60 ERA. 101 third innings pitched already, only 75 hits. 111 strikeouts to just 25 walks, a 203 batting average against, and a one-even whip. So it, it was tough. I, I liked what Polka did, but I, I had to give Steven an honorable mention because for his first two starts in, in Rochester, he's really picked right up and kept on going from what he was doing at Double A in Chattanooga. So that's a very good sign. And, in fact, his name will also come up later on in the dugout when we talk about, again, the whole September you know roster edition piece. So with that, that means our Red Wing stars are Mitch Garver, Daniel Polka, and I'm going to call it an honorable mention for Steven Gonsalves. And that wraps up our Stars of the Week. It does not wrap up, though, down on the farm because we are now going to sit down with Minnesota Twins draft pick Riley Wydell, and we're going to talk to Riley about the draft experience. Uh, We're going to talk about what his experience has been so far in the Minnesota Twins organization and also get some background on Riley so you can get to know him a little bit better. So here we go, guys. We will now chat with Riley Wydell. So as you mentioned, guys, we'd be sitting down this evening on Talking Twins with Riley Wydell, the Minnesota Twins' uh, seventh-round draft pick. So, with that, uh, we'll you know we won't waste any further time. So, we welcome in uh, Riley. Uh, Riley, it's uh, Bradley Swanson and Daryl Yates here on Talking Twins. Uh, thanks for taking some time with us this evening. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it. Thanks and, for having me on. Hey, not not a problem at all. Now let's let's get right into it because obviously you're talking about you being a, a seventh-round draft pick, and let's just start off with asking the question that you know a lot of fans always want us to ask the draft picks when we talk to them. Um, for you, what was your draft experience like? You know, I mean, obviously it's kind of a whirlwind. You get drafted. Next thing you know, you're, you know, working out a deal. You're getting, you know, you know, tossed into the the organization of the club. In this case, the Minnesota Twins. So for you, if you want to just talk a little bit about, you know, what was your draft experience like, and then maybe if you want to elaborate, where were you when you were drafted? That you know, on, when you found out that evening you were drafted, and just kind of how that all for you went down as a player. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the whole draft process kind of, you know, started getting kind of serious, like two weeks prior to um, the day, but, um, I, you know, I was just going, I went to a couple uh, workouts. I didn't go to workout for twins, but that's all right. Um, but it was, it was pretty good. Um, I just, I just worked out hard and then I finished, I finished uh, at Central Arizona pretty good. And so I was happy about that. And, uh, and I was, I was fortunate enough to go home and spend time with my family. And, um, about a week before the draft, you know, I was getting a lot of calls and, you know, um, from all these teams and organizations about, um, what they think about me and where they see me and um, if I'm debating on going to school or not or if I'm, I want to be a you know, professional baseball player. So, I mean, it was, it's been, it was quite stressful. 
a couple days before the draft happened. And then actually once I got my name called, it was, uh, you know, it was a dream come true. And because I was happy I got to celebrate with my family. Well, and kind of to, to, to you know, tag on to that, Riley, you were committed to play for the University of North Carolina, the, the Tar Heels. Now, when the Twins selected you in the seventh round, how, what was that decision like for you in terms of am I going to go to – am I going to take the, the, the draft opportunity from the, the MLB club or am I going to go play NCAA, you know, college baseball? You know, was it an easy decision or was it one that you had to kind of, you know, mul- you know kind of throw around a little bit? And then who could you say you kind of consulted with or kind of, some you know, people in, in your life that helped you make that decision? Well, yeah, so um, I really like the pitching coach at North Carolina. and He was new he was really nice. He came out to watch me pitch a couple of times at Central Arizona. You know, he really cared about me. So, and you know, made that made the decision really hard. And uh, but the good thing is, is like the best hardest decision I had to make. Uh, There's a win-win situation for me. Um, but you know, ultimately, I wanted to be a professional baseball player, and um, they kind of knew that. And so, I mean, at, at that point when I got drafted, I kind of already knew that this was my role, and I was going to take you know the draft and. Um, and they understood. I mean, they were upset, but it worked out. So at first it was really hard, but then once I got my name called, it, was, it wasn't too bad. Very nice. I'm sure everybody was excited for you. So t- so I just talk about a little bit about how you handle the transition from playing at the collegiate level to where you are now. Oh, yeah. it's um, it's um, It's been good. I mean, pretty much all you got to pretty much do is first pitch strikes, keep the ball low. I mean, these hitters are uh, pretty uh, patient in the strikes strike zone and they know their they know their strikes up pretty well so uh pretty much just got to get ahead and i mean there's a couple times where and it shows that you know they they are good hitters every every guy you're going to face one for nine that you know they're they're there for a reason so i mean at first it was you know a little nerve-wracking but you know i'm getting used to it well it's, it's, it looks like it because you've gone uh 2.7 era uh, you got 20 strikeouts only seven walks and i believe that's in five starts why don't you talk about a little about your uh pitching arsenal like which, which pitch is your favorite you're kind of your go-to pitch and maybe even which pitch you need to work on as you progress throughout the rankings oh you know it's kind of funny when i was at a central arizona my juco uh, I, I was i used predominantly my off you know, i kind of worked off my changeup a lot and then once i started coming here and uh i it, my fastball was working really well so i would say like right now that my fastball has been pretty uh, predo- uh dominating but uh the, my best pitch, I would have to say, in my secondary is my changeup, and I've, I've been pretty comfortable using that uh, along with my fastball and kind of keeping uh, the batters on their toes. Um, still working on the slider. Uh, it's getting there. There's, there's some shape to it, but uh, it still has a long way to go. And um, I, I also do have a pretty good feel for my curveball. So it's been, it's been showing. So. Well, and, Very good. And Riley, you know, talking about that, it, it kind of you know leads to my next question, and, and it's you know you're talking about you know getting acclimated to the to the you know the professional game, like you said, these hitters are a lot better up and down the lineup. It's not just a couple of you know guys. It's it's pretty good ball players, you know, one through nine. Um, what was it like, you know, the first time you got to take that mound, and you, you know you were now wearing you know a professional uniform, and you were in an organization. What was that feeling like when you got on the mound? I mean, was it? Did you have to con- did you have to control the the adrenaline a little bit, or was it more like, hey, this is you know this is where I've wanted to be my whole life, and it was just more like it it fit in. You know, I've heard different guys say different things. I've heard some guys say that they're out there and it's you know, the, you know the juice is going through them so hard the first inning that you know could barely feel the baseball as a pitcher, and then other guys you know are like, well, you know, no, that's really where my you know 
kind of my whole life path was, so it was just like another, you know, step in the process. How was it for you? Yeah, well, in um, the pregame and all that stuff, I was I was pretty nervous. Uh, but then once I, you know, I got my name called and I was getting ready to um, go out there for my debut, I, I just felt surprisingly really comfortable, and I just felt like I was supposed to be out there. Um, and, and no, it went well. I was I was really happy to be out there. It was just really exciting. Like all the nerves went all the nerves went away, and I just pitched. Well, and, and talking about your your name being called. Here's a little uh, a little group of, of guys I'll mention, and you're the, you're the fifth highest Maui-born player selected in the MLB draft. Now, when I mention some of these names, you know, Twins fans will obviously right away be very familiar with the first one because only Kurt Suzuki, uh, 2004 in the second round, and obviously Kurt caught here for a couple of years for the Minnesota Twins, um, and he was he was drafted by the Oakland A's. You had uh, Brendan Kaup, uh, 2012 in the fourth round for the Mets. Uh, Dayton Alexander. Uh, uh, 2011 in the sixth round for the A's, and then Shane Victorino. And I mean, everybody's a baseball fan. The last, you know, 10, 15 years should you know know who Shane Victorino was, and he was drafted by the Dodgers yeah. in the sixth round. Have been picked before you. What does it mean, you know, not just you know that obviously you're you're a you know a draft pick now in a in a MLB organization with the Minnesota Twins, but what does it mean to you having been you know being mentioned in the company of those guys, and also just the the, the personal pride of being another another Maui player that's that's come to the, you know, when I say come to the mainland and made it to the major leagues, because it is a it is kind of a small group, and I have to believe that there's some kind of a, a pride factor in that group as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the island now is very small, and it's pretty rare to get drafted out of there, so um, being among those guys is really great. I've actually met Kurt Suzuki a couple times, and actually during my recruitment process um, out of high school, he uh, was an alumni at Cal State Fullerton, so um, I met him when I was on my trip there, and he's a really nice guy, and I was, it was really fortunate to meet him. Um, I played with a couple of relatives of Shane Victorino. So, I mean, it's a very uh, small community in Hawaii. So, I mean, it's, I'm really happy that, you know, I get to um, kind of play for them. And kind of when I got drafted, it was like, kind of like they, you know, came all along with me because of all the support that they've given me. So, it's, um, I'm just really happy that uh, I can play for them and, Hopefully, I could be a role model for the young, and that you know it's, you can do it. So I'm just I'm just really happy that and fortunate to you know be among those those guys to, to, to carry the tradition on, basically, like you said, kind of show the younger you know players that are there in Maui that you know, hey, that you, if I do this, maybe you can you can do it too someday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Like you know, when I be able to go in the off season and. Uh, in Maui, especially, you know, there's my name has you know been flown around because of the draft, and I'm I'm just really excited to help a lot of uh, players that uh, want to pursue playing the next level. I will say it's got to be a heck of a lot better place to be in the off season than maybe I don't know, um, you know, Minnesota. When, when it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, very. No, there's only one season, 75 and sunny. Oh, Daryl, go ahead. I'm gonna go there. That's where my next question. No, okay. Uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, leave, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna feed off of that there, Riley, because uh, you had said that you got a lot of guys that come up to you. So, what advice if you got, if you got a child or a teenager that they come up to you and they want to be a pitcher or a ball player of any sort? Is there any advice that you would give them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, especially out of uh, Maui, it's really hard to get noticed out there. So. Uh, I recommend, you know, I start young, like eighth grade year, you know, going to the States and kind of, you know, putting your name out there. Um, it, you know, it's not hard to, it's really hard to get drafted. Uh, a lot of kids, you know, 
just going to practice and doing what you know what you told Dan for two hours is enough. But there's a lot of things you got to do outside of uh, just practice in the game. You know, it's it's a it's a process, and you know you got to there's a lot of things that you do. And, um, so that's one that's a big thing that I'll tell them. And and I know a lot a lot, a lot of athletes they focus on more than one sport, and it's it's encouraged to do that. Uh, you know, you got Tommy John is out there, and uh, you know that's why they encourage more people to do. You know the the younger athletes, whether it's pee wee, uh, junior high, your your varsity team. Did you do more than one sport in high school? Yeah, I actually played a quarterback for my uh, high school team, and I actually grew. I actually started playing uh, football around the same time I started playing baseball, um, and I I love both of them. And once I started getting to high school, I played I played my freshman junior year of high school football. And, I started kind of to notice that baseball was the route I needed to take and um, football, you know, wasn't the best for me. And um, So I feel like it's, that just should be encouraged to the kids, but I feel like for me, and I, I feel like it's been for a lot of other people, that you kind of get an idea when you grow up and you get into high school and you kind of see, all right, like I'm I'm probably going to, I can make it farther in this sport than that sport. That's kind of what happened with me. And that leads me into another question then, Riley. At what point did you realize that baseball was actually more than just, you know, the dream of playing in the bigs or being a professional was more than just a dream. It was a reality. At what point, at what point in your life did you figure that out? Um, I would have to say kind of around my freshman, sophomore year of high school. Um, that was when I started kind of getting noticed with baseball, with uh, D1 um, programs. And football, I wasn't really, it, it's hard to kind of get noticed. For me, you know, it kind of works out my favor because, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty lengthy lefty. So um, when I started going, I was going out more like to the States and for travel ball and all that sorts for baseball during that time. And it started, it just started working out for me during around freshman, sophomore year. Fantastic. Well, and Riley, you know, we talked about, you know, I know Daryl asked you, you know, about advising, you know, uh, a young player that, you know, what, you know, they could do to maybe have a chance at, at having a baseball career. Now, kind of flip that around, you know, for you, your journey, you know, now to the big leagues has started. Who is there anyone that, you know, that kind of that sticks in your mind as, you know, whether it's a coach, whether it's family, whether it's maybe, you know, a friend or somebody else that you credit for kind of helping you get to the point where you're at right now? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of people that I can credit <laughs> for uh, my, my successes. Um, most of all, I would have to say my, my parents and my family. I mean, I mean, they they've gone the extra mile to you know send me to the states and you know go to all these travel balls and they follow me everywhere. They come out and support me. So that you know when I was younger, I wouldn't get homesick. Um, I would also have to say a couple of friends back home. One I would have to say his name was Reed. You know what I mean? He was my catcher in high school. I mean, when everyone else was you know at the beach, you know having a good time, he was with me working out, throwing with me, and helping me get better. Um, so I mean, family. And then last summer, um, I, I played. I was fortunate enough to play with Corvallis and Knights. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. It's a West Coast League collegiate summer ball. Yep. Um, they there's two guys, pitching coaches, um, that really helped me by the name of Kevin Gunderson. He was the 2006 World Series champ. He was a closer for Oregon State. Um, and then there's another guy named Connor Lambert. He's uh, actually just got hired to be a pitching coach up in Portland. Um, those two really kind of show me the ropes and how to, you know, like the mental mindset and what it takes to play at the next level. Um, so, yeah, I would have to say, that, like, those those people have, you know, 
helped me a lot. Okay, very nice, very nice indeed. The next question I have for you, Riley, and I may make fun of you, I may not, I don't know, oh, it, it depends. And we we ask this to everybody, coaches, players included, because uh, this is the one question I think most people want to know more than anything. Well, maybe not quite, but close. Your favorite baseball movie? My favorite baseball movie. Yeah, it's going to be kind of surprising. Um, I really enjoyed League of Your Own. Oh, that's a good one. No, that's good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I really I really like that movie. Um, and I, I watched it actually um, like a couple years ago with my dad, and I, know, I just really liked it. Nope, that that's perfect answer, great answer. Tommy Watkins was not that one. Uh, my wife's favorite movie for Love of the Game, but whatever. Right. <laughs> no, and, and and then more more on a serious note, what kind of goals do you have for the remainder of this season leading into 2018? Um, I think just being more consistent in the strike zone, basically, and um, you know, no matter what the situation is when I'm out on the mound, um, being confident every pitch that I throw. Um, I mean, sometimes that kind of holds me back when I play. And, uh, I feel like if I get those down, then I'll be a very successful pitcher. Fantastic. Definitely uh, always good goals to have. I mean, um, so with that, we, we definitely thank uh, Riley for uh, for taking some, some time to, to join us this evening here on Talking Twins. Uh, watch him as he uh-huh. continues his journey at both E-Town for the Elizabethan Twins and, you know, beyond that further, it's going to be the Cedar Rapids Colonels after that. And, you know, obviously that's a short pretty short jaunt from Minneapolis St. Paul metropolitan area so you know once he makes that pop up there you know, get a chance to come yep. down to perfect game field and and you know root for Riley as we will and keep pulling for him so Riley hey we, we appreciate you coming on tonight and spending a little bit of time with us and hey we'll keep watching for you we'll talk to you you know down the road and we'll see how things are going for your career and we'll we'll catch up and and see how things have, have kind of matured along for you Awesome. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. Not a problem. And, guys, hey, we appreciate having Riley on it, and we'll be right back here after the break on Talking Twins. We are going to sit down in the dugout. We've got some, some topics to cover around the Major League Club, too, so we'll be right back here in just a moment on Talking Twins. This is Panda Pete from Twins and Lost Super Show, and you're listening to Talking Twins on the 4D Podcast Network. Okay, guys, we're back here on Talking Twins, and it is time now for the In the Dugout segment. Uh, we've got a couple of topics we are going to talk about this evening. We do hope you liked the, the interview during the Down on the Farm segment with Riley Wydell. It was a, a very fun interview. Riley had a, a, lot of, a lot of great stuff to give us, and, you know, uh, we appreciate, the, again, the time that, that Riley took and just continue to follow his journey down there in Elizabethton and E-Town right now, and then, you know, we'll see where it carries him next year, maybe, you know, at some point Cedar Rapids and, and beyond. So um, we're going to talk in the dugout, though, about more of things, uh, obviously based at the at the major league level in, in Minneapolis at Target Field. Um, and we're going to talk about the Twins' continued struggles with the Indians. It, it unfortunately does continue. Um, we're also going to talk about Hector Santiago experiencing right now i mean i'm gonna say it's between a minor, minor and major setback in his rehab um only because the twins are still waiting for some information we'll talk about th- that in detail we're gonna have a little discussion about you know with that being what it is 
what the fifth starter spot is going to be for the Twins. There's also some other injuries that get into that, so we'll, we'll have a discussion about the fifth starter. Um, uh, real quick update on potential 40-man roster additions or players that are on the 40 that could be being added up here in September. And then finally, one last uh, Glenn Perkins injury update. So with that, we start with, of course, the, the Twins' continued struggles against the Indians. And, I mean, it's... It's, it's kind of rough because, you know, you, if, if you were hoping to make a, a, any last push at the division, I mean, that's that's probably, for the most part, been a race. The Twins are now six games back of the division. I mean, right now, I think the Twins' focus has to be that second wild card spot where there they still have a realistic chance, uh, you know, of obtaining that spot. It, it's still within, you know, reality that you can grab that. Uh, the Twins, of course, on, on Tuesday evening, uh, lost 8-1, and the kind of the bigger piece of that, Daryl, when I when I mentioned that, you know, the Twins have, you know, the struggles continue against the Indians, the Indians are 8-0 at Target Field this season, so Target Field's kind of like their their second home to, you know, to progress. And you got to just hate that. Yeah, you hate that because it's, you know, I mean, it's like they come here and it's just literally, it's like a second home park to, you know, being in, in Cleveland, so that 8-0 that number, that, you know, that's one that really, you know, obviously, you know, doesn't help at all. Um, uh, Santana too. Carlos Santana now has 14 home runs in his career at Target Field. That ties Jose Batista and Salvador Perez for the most home runs by an opposing player at Target Field. And those Twins' eight losses are the most at home to the to the Tribe. That's the most in club history. What's even worse is when you look at the numbers that Cleveland has outscored the Twins 56 to 16 at Target Field this year. I mean, it's it's not been close. I mean, it, Cleveland has come here and just went fine. We're going to win series, if not sweep. So that's something that the Twins need to need to shake. Now we're recording the show on Wednesday night, and the weather in Minneapolis right now is not real conducive with the baseball game being being played this evening. With you know heavy you know showers and thunderstorms you know across the area, you know good chance that the the clubs may not get this game in at all. And on Thursday it may be a you know a split day night doubleheader. Uh, Kyle Gibson was scheduled to, to start tonight, uh, or on Wednesday, I should say, in case you guys are listening, next, you know, a few days later on Wednesday. Um, Gibson, though, hasn't been, you know, a lot better against the Tribe either. Daryl is 2-5 and five with a 5.75 ERA and 12 career starts against the, the Indians. So it's it's something where this series, you know, Twins fans, you know, obviously it was, it was fun to hope for this series to be a big deal. It also is a big series for the, for the club if they want to stay in the – in the wild card race and with, with what they've seen you know with what happened last night with you know five home runs by the by the tribe with the way they've played against the indians this year this series probably doesn't look like it's going to set them up in any better place to be where they were for the wild card spot before monday came it might actually set them back a couple of games and it's not like it gets any easier later in the week when they have to start playing the arizona diamondbacks for three so I, right I, these you know but again you know what you you, you can say that all the games now matter. I mean, you know, as as a stat that, that Daryl mentioned earlier before we got on the show, you know, they have, you know, they have eight out of their next 11 games, I mean, uh, towards the end of the month against the White Sox. To me, it is the end of the month. They eight out of 11 games yeah. against the White Sox, and the White Sox have conceded since the week one, basically. Uh, and, and then they have to start out September – what was it? Seven out of the first ten against Kansas City. Against Kansas City, yep. Division division rival. Also, the team that's uh right now 
uh, in third, you know, the, fir- the first team looking out in the wildcard standing. Yeah, as so, of right now, as of right now, Wednesday. Right. So, I mean, these, these games, I mean, they're all big. I mean, let's, you know, there's, yep. there's no other way to put it. But, I mean, but like like Daryl's point is, obviously, the, the teams that you you know you should beat, like the White Sox, definitely you have to you have to do your job and, and take as many of those games as you can possibly get. You want to at least, you know, see if you can hopefully play 500 ball against the Royals. And then, you know, with the Indians, I mean, man, if you can, you know, if you can steal one and so, or maybe somehow steal two of these, that would be great. Getting swept would be the, the first, I guess, goal that you'd want to make sure that doesn't happen. At least the Cleveland doesn't come in here and just go, you know, 3-0 and and walk on out because you're going to have another tough series right after that with the Diamondbacks. So, I mean, that's that's right. that's the kind of the point, I guess, I was driving there with the, with the whole struggle piece. But, you know, all the games are going to matter at this point going out. You're in a battle for a wild card with essentially five, six other teams. You know, it's it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a dogfight all the way out if they want to, you know, want to try to get that spot. So that kind of closes that topic. We'll move to topic number two, and that is Hector Santiago experiencing the setback and rehab. And not that, you know, I, I know that there's not like this big mass of Twins fans going, we want Hector, we want Hector. I, I understand that there isn't, but at the same point, the club needs any any starting pitching help they can get right now. And if they would have had a, a lefty back in Santiago, if he would have been healthy, if he had been ready to, to, you know, eat some innings up and deliver, you know, some quality starts, uh, I guarantee, you know, Levine and, and Falvey and Paul Molitor would have would have definitely would have taken, you know, you know, that player up here. But prior to the, to the Tuesday game, Paul Molitor announced, you know, which is uh, the Tuesday game against the Indians, Paul Molitor announced, that uh, Santiago was pulled off of his injury rehab stint, and he had uh, upper thoracic back pain. That was what got him down to Rochester and got him into the rehab stint to begin with. Well, he didn't. He didn't make his last start. He had more testing in Rochester on Monday, and the Twins, as of today, the Twins have not received those results yet, so they don't know what you know what the the, the issue here, what's going to be the diagnosis, and what's going to be the timetable yet for his return i mean as we start to get to the end of august if there's going to be a return because if they don't figure something out quick with this there isn't going to be a, i mean a return for for 2017 so um now the last time San, you know santiago pitched for the twins obviously was back in july 2nd he made some starts obviously down in in rochester um and at this point like molitor even said he's unsure whether Santiago's rehab will resume when the results come in or if they'll have to start the whole process over because they need to wait to get the, the doctor results, you know, the, the results from the exams to find out what's going on, what's the pain point, what's the, the, the problem. And Molitor even, Molitor even said the, fa- the fact that you pull him off the rehab stint, it stops everything. Now, whether you pick it up from that point and roll on, it, part of that is going to depend on how long they stop him for here. So, you know what I mean? They've already missed him on one start. Now, say they get the news and it's, you know, X diagnosis and he can't pitch for another, let's say, 14 days. Well, then I don't think you can just go, okay, yep, jump right back onto your schedule. It's probably going to put him back a couple of weeks and you're going to get into September. And I think at that point, the Twins are going to have to start looking at potentially, you know, other options, whether it's call-ups, you know, whatever it may be, and we'll talk about that in our call-up section that's coming later. So that's kind of where we, we sit with Hector. We really, until maybe we'll get more news, I, I would think tomorrow we'll probably hopefully have some more news in terms of, you know, results on what's wrong with Hector, and then from that point, it might be a day or two before the Twins figure out 
how they're going to take it, what they're going to do with it. So that's the that's the the piece there on on Hector Santiago. Now that talking about injuries, that also leads us into talking about uh, Glenn Perkins, who uh, Mr. Perkins is done with rehab and is is ready to to come back and and join the roster. Now the Twins, of course, have have uh, kind of some you know mixed you know I don't want to say mixed emotions, but kind of mixed mindset on what they want to do. Um, Perkins did on Tuesday return to the Twins clubhouse. So he is back in Minneapolis now. He's at Target Field. He's with the team. He has fully rejoined the team. But what the timetable is going to be has still not been been put out there. I mean, Paul Molitor said there's no official word yet. You know, over the next couple of days, they're going to think about it. Um, he did have decent rehab outings, both in Fort Myers and in Chattanooga. Um, you know, he, his fastball, it got up to 93 last week in Birmingham was around 88 91 on monday so i mean it's it, the velocity you know i mean is at least getting back it's you know it's definitely major league velocity he can use to get guys out um, it's never going to be where it was never you know be. before never you know never, where never. he was at 98 he's not going to have that never. fastball never again nope. no but what lookouts manager jake mauer did say excuse me is that he told paul molitor when when molitor called down to get Jake's assessment of what he was seeing from Perkins was that Monday's scoreless inning was, um, you know, Perkins showed real good command. Breaking ball was, was you know, sharp, you know, so he's getting swings and misses, good things like that. So that's those things are pluses because obviously, you know, if the guy is ready, you know, they definitely, you know, need help in the bullpen. There's no doubt about that. Now Perkins' 30-day rehab window runs through Sunday, so the Twins could ask Glenn to, you know, run down to AAA as, as they're, they're in Columbus and Louisville this week. But Perkins has enough service time, the way that, you know, that, that this process works in terms of being sent down to the minors. Perkins can say, you know, uh, no, I, I don't want to do it. I'm ready to go. I don't need to go back to, you know, AAA for three days. Um, and part of it was that Perkins had said before, and I mean, he was quoted publicly saying this, that it, once he put back-to-back outings, to, you know, together, that was the last hurdle in his mind, and he was going to be ready to go again. So, uh, I mean, I mean, obviously that you know, it, it's it's weird because he he's ready. He wants to he wants to do it. Yet you know, when they a- asked Paul Molitor, Daryl, if Perkins was ready to help out at the big league level, Molitor said, "I don't even know if that's fair to try to answer." I mean, he goes, "The guy's pitched seven innings in sixteen months. It, it's not even near what like a you know like a spring training would do for anything like that." Um, you know, it, it makes the team a little more cautious. So it's going to be interesting to see, okay, what are they going to do? I mean, okay, Sunday is the end of the rehab stint. I mean, you can't even, after that, it's done. That's It's all done. Right. And if he doesn't want to go down, what are they going to do? Are they, are they just going to leave him, like, hang around the clubhouse but not use him? I mean, I mean. I'm he, sure it's got to be, there's got to be a lot of doctors around there because it's not, it's not, he's on the verge of either retiring or making it where he can pitch maybe in the sixth or seventh inning. He's not a closer anymore. I agree with that. Regardless of who, and I'd say regardless of who we have right now, because we don't really have a closer. We don't have a, let's just say we don't have a closer. We don't have a closer, right. Um, it's closer by committee right now. Uh, and I'm glad that Perkins is pitching 93. That's great. I'm glad he's pitching without any stiffness. He's not sore. He's not hurting anymore. That's fantastic. It's really going to be up to management the brass, the skipper, 
if he doesn't want to do it, maybe he's just afraid that if he pitches too much, it'll it'll aggravate his his arm. I just think and, that could be and, and, and you know this isn't a money thing. No, it's he's not. getting paid regardless, so it doesn't matter. But for next, because he doesn't want to feel like okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna not pitch anymore. I want to take a whole year off and not be a team player, and maybe I can pitch next year. But now, what what's his contract status next year? Um, I don't think year, it's on a team next year. Well, not at the price. They hit, it's a it's a club option, and I want to say it's, exactly. It's, yeah, it's around. So he's going to do whatever the team wants. He's going to be sort of team friendly there because he wants to come back. But I don't know if they're. I, you know, they got you got three guys that throw as fast as he used to. Well, they're. I can tell you they're this. Blade. They're not going to for I think it's six point five, and they're they're not going to at that at that number. That's no. It'd be a, it'd be a it'd be a minimum. It'd be a veteran minimum. He's made his money. Be a veteran minimum. So if he comes back, and I hope he does. I hope he does come back because obviously the Twins could use him. Look at their bullpen right now. Uh, <clears throat> but they also have other guys that we're going to talk about in AAA and AA that they could use this option. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, that's exactly it. And I mean, yeah, when you look at it, um, let's see. Yeah, there, yeah, the team. Yeah, there's the team option. Um, yeah, he no, does have. He does have the presence and the experience where it'd be nice to have him in that bullpen, especially if we're going to be competitive in late August, but more importantly, I'm sorry. It it is a six, five, it is a $6.5 million option. And there you go. It's pretty much already been put out there that the twins are not going to act. No, they're not going to take it up. No, because you can go get a, you can go get a middle reliever a lot cheaper than that. Right. So, I mean, yeah, he would, and you got three guys, Correct. Right now, in Melitakis, Reed, and Curtis in AAA, correct, that are five hundred fifty thousand. Right, okay, you can bring all three up, and it's still less expensive all, yeah, all combined. It's one point five. You could still save five million dollars exactly, and, and put that somewhere else. So, so that's the the wrap there on the uh, uh, the Glenn Perkins issue. Now, what that does in talking about pitching is takes us back to the starting side of things again, and yes. we do and we discuss this a little bit because with the Hector Santiago piece. With the fact that Mieja, Edelberto is still hurt, you know, and he's... And wait, do we know how long Mejia, Brad? Do you know how long he's out? Because well, he was put on a 10-day. And they have not said anything since then, which is kind of... That's scary. Kind of scary, yeah, too. it is a little bit, because you, you'd think if, if that wasn't a, a, a big deal, you'd think that they would start already be saying, oh, he's going to be back in a couple of days, you know, he's right. back, you know. The fact that they're not saying anything about that makes me wonder if all of a sudden we're going to hear... Oh well, we're extending it now. He's on, you know, he's on the DL for, you know, you know. They're so quiet. You think it's Spielman from the Vikings, you know, <laughs> as a GM, because you just don't know. Well, and whatever he says, you just take take the opposite. Maybe Rick's assisting him on this one. Maybe they've they brought it in could Rick be. To, it to could be. <laughs> so what we are <laughs> look, what we are looking at though is then okay. So how are the Twins going to set this rotation up? I mean, obviously right now you've got Biggie Irvin Santana. You've got Jose Barrios. You've got Bartolo Colon. Which hasn't been great lately, let's be honest. Oh, I, I know. I'm just, but as I'm just, much as we love Brios and, and Big E. I'm just setting up what out. it is. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm just saying. Right, right. No, it hasn't. Because you and I spoke when we were in Cedar Rapids. It's like, well, let's get Gonzalez up. Let's get this well, guy up. And you, Can't get any worse. And you mentioned that. And, wow, did they prove that so. And you mentioned that. So, right now you're looking at, you know, you're, you know Santana's in, you know, Brios is in, Colon's in. 
And right now, Cal Gibson's in. I mean, I'm, as much as fans can start. As much know, as we, well, you and I both thought there's no way he's probably done. And yet he's doing he's it. He's in right now. I mean, he, that, it's the four. So now who fills that fifth, fifth role? Well, we're hearing nothing about Mieha. So. And today's game, sorry, Brad, but today's game is postponed. Yep. So there will be a uh, day-night doubleheader tomorrow. So if you fans are going to head down, if you're hearing this tomorrow or in the morning or maybe even, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, day-night doubleheader at Target Field on Thursday. Yep. So, so with Mieha, the the mystery man there with no news. Um, now they did uh, short-term turn to Dietrich Enns, which obviously they got him in the in the deal for. So for he's slated right now to pitch August nineteenth, which is Saturday against Arizona, Brad. Yeah, and they skipped his start on Wednesday, and exactly they'll have pitch in relief until starting on yeah Saturday. The it's actually Michael Kadir, um Hall of Fame induction night. And so yes, it to, is. And he'll get to start on that Saturday. Um, and then they're saying that um, he'll remain in that role depending on how he fares. So, you know, obviously if he goes out and pitches well, okay, they'll give him that fifth start, you know, again. If not, Dylan G is a prospect. Now a dark horse candidate that is starting to pop up is prospect Stephen Gonzalez. The Twins, though, do not have him on the 40-man roster, so the word is starting to be if to float around if this is going to happen who's coming off the 40-man roster so that Gonsalves can get on. Well, number one, you could either take G or or um, Dietrich Enns, one of those two. And if it was me, I'd probably take Dylan G off. And I'd probably but number one, there's a ton of people you could take well, off I that pitching staff. I, I, I would, <laughs> the way I'd go with one of those two, though, because you don't need right. Enns, G up and, here. You know yeah, go ahead. I mean, you just don't need Enns and G up here if you're going to bring Gonsalves up. No, they might up, keep you know. Enns up there. I would because they traded for him, yeah, yeah and he he might have more. Yeah, that's exactly it. More upside. That's exactly. But you look it. at Gonzalez, and I know he spoke about it on on down the farm, but nine and three, a two six ERA and yeah. seventeen starts, a hundred. Yeah. He's only got a hundred innings, and that, that that's important too. Yeah, it is. He didn't miss that first month. So uh, he's got one hundred eleven strikeouts, only twenty five walks. I mean, he, he and he's doing it both against your. Double A and Triple A competition. Those are those are your better competition. He's dominating. Yeah. So right now, that's the as we close out that the the fifth starter topic. That's where things are are looking at right now. And so we're gonna wrap up in the dugout. And of course, that means once we do that, it'll wrap up talking twins as well. With well, and real quick though, Brad, where where do you put Fernando Romero? Because he hasn't oh, no, pitched no, I wasn't, in a little I wasn't while. The show up yet. We still had one more segment to talk about. Oh, okay, and my that bad. Was the, that was the other additions that will come up as part of the forty man in September. Okay. Now, offensively, we're looking at seeing uh, pretty good locks on Mitch Garver, uh, Zach Granite, who's already been up obviously once for an, you know, a decent period of time during the you know the Byron Buxton injury. Zach will be back up. It's a, almost a lock. Uh, Kenny Vargas, obviously, who's been up, you know, up and down. Some of it, you know, his fault. Some of it not. He'll be here. Um, Daniel Polk is going to uh, uh, get a, a probably a, a shot. It sounds like it. They're, you know, they're, he's he's done what he can do down there. So, um, Byungho Park has started to heat up a little bit. He's not on the forty-man roster right now, though. So they'd have to look at, you know, potentially taking somebody off. And offensively, I don't know if I see that happening right now. So he might be out in terms of the numbers game. I mean, if they're going to bring up Garver, Granite, Vargas, and Palka, I don't see them also bringing up Youngho Park. I just, I'm, I just, you're not. I don't know where the guy's going to get any at bats or any playing time. I mean, with with that group all coming up, Kenny Vargas is going to take some first base, you know, sp- you know, time away from when Mauer gets a day off. You know, they're going to have to find a spot for Palka to, to get some at bats. Whether I mean, obviously, it's a power bat off the, you know, pinch hitter, 
you know, occasionally DH or a, a rare once in a while start in right field. I just don't see where Byung-Ho Park is going to get much, much play. I think that. that was the worst signing ever. I think it hurts. Uh, that definitely hurts. So it, de- it definitely does. So now among pitchers, though, we already talked about Steven Gonsalves and that he's Steven's got a, a pretty decent shot of getting, you know, called up in September. I mean, well, he, he and it's it's he deserves it and he can help. Yes. Yes. Both of those are are very true. Uh, Fernando Romero's the other piece there. The difference is there, you know, like Daryl mentioned, Steven, excuse me, only has about 100 innings uh, pitched. It's actually 101 third. Romero, they're a little more um, leery. He's 115 and two-thirds innings. Right, but they've been, man, that's about the area where you've got to look. He's going to have a couple more starts. That gets he's them, not He's not a starter anymore, I don't think, the rest of the year. Right, that's right. They're still, though, they're still not going to, I, I, I don't see it. They've been managing the, the inning numbers there. And I, I, I don't see them calling him up. I'd be I'd be pretty surprised. Um, I, I'd be I'd be real surprised to be quite honest. I mean, Davey. No, he hasn't pitched in almost ten days. They skipped his start. Right, but they're so. Are they looking at maybe, regardless if he goes in the bigs or stays in Double A AA or Triple A or gets promoted Triple A, are they maybe looking at just keeping in the bullpen to finish out his innings? It's possible. It really is. I mean, it's it's not a bad thing, but I think his I think he's basically done yeah. for the year. I mean, they're saying with all the the word is that if he did get called up, it would definitely be in a relief role, and you know that's that's you know so not helping here obviously from the starting standpoint at all. I mean, and it's, I, it it seems dicey. It just I don't see it. I don't you know I just I don't. See well, it. and talk about how you what do you think about that, Brad? Because I know when you and I spoke about this last year about Brios. You were adamant against it. And, and, and I'd rather they that's not. That's not his role. That's not his role. I'd rather they not do it now because they've got other other candidates in John Curtis, in Jake Reed, in Mason Malatakis. They've got exactly. other guys. Exactly. There you go. Up, you, you just know. nailed it. Yeah, that's that's three guys. If you want to bring bullpen help up, bring three guys up that are you know that are. Yeah, three guys that can throw. Yeah. As fast as Perkins could in his prime. And they're ready, you know. It's boom, boom. They're ready. I mean, they're ready, set, bam. You know, to do it right now, get you know, get them in and do it. So, and those guys would be the guys, you know, that I would, you know, like to. But have. yet they let Mason go through waivers. He cleared waivers, yeah, and they were able to, to sign him back. Yep. So they they either didn't trust his stuff. He lost a he lost a little velocity, uh, but they let him go. And they got lucky to get him back. Curtis has been up and down, but more up than lately. And Jake Reed, he started on the DL, but he's been back just like uh, Gonzalez. But he's been, he, uh, Jake Reed has probably been the better of the three, in my opinion. And yet, neither of the, or none of the three are up yet. I think John Curtis, they're going to have to put him on the 40-man. That's the one thing about John Curtis. He's not on the 40-man. So All three, right? Well, yeah, they're right. I mean, but, I mean, John Curtis is kind of my first one that I think would get the, you know. You think he would be? Okay. I do, but they're going to have, but if they're going to do it, they're going to, you know, with any of those guys, I think, I mean, I think Reed gets a, get a shot too. But, again, they're going to have to put him on the 40-man, which means they're going to have to figure out who do they want to take off. Not that they can. I mean, they got guys they could take off. And we, we, we've agreed about that. It's just Plenty of guys, yeah, you bet. Yeah, but they're just going to have to make their minds up. Are, are they? And I, I, I think it's Curtis and Reed are the two guys that, if from that standpoint, to fit that bullpen role, I think those two guys. I mean, they're still going to roll with Hildenberger. They're still going to roll with Rogers. And you should, and you, you should. should roll with Hildenberger. Yep. 
I mean, Matt Belial's going to have some piece of that, you know, that bullpen for a while too. I mean, but there's uh, there's Bosher or Bosher that could be gone. Who could be, you know, let off the forty? Um, yeah, you've got some other. Well, uh, first of all, if you're taking, you're putting, if you're putting Gonzalez and Reed and John Curtis, that's three people that have to be added. So that's three people have to be removed. Correct, and it's going to be three pitchers. I'm not taking off. And Garver, right? And Garver. That is correct. That is correct. Right, we're talking about Garver too. That's four people. I know it's it's. Now, if you look at the rotation, Brad, who, who's removed? Uh, if if you just say if you if it's just those four people, okay. because the others that you mentioned are already on the forty man. Boy, if it's if I'm looking at the forty man right now, and, and four guys got to come. I'm looking up, at it right now. Yeah, Buddy Boshears. I mean, obviously, is is going to be gone then. Um, I'm looking, trying to look down the rest of the list here. Well, I, I, I mean, move JT Shagwa because ooh. he's not, he's got, he, he's done. Yeah, yeah. You got, yeah, Paca, that, you got Paca yeah. who's already on there, and he could come back up. Uh, Nick okay. Turley, Nick Turley could come off it for all I'm I was going to say, Nick Turley, yep. Fernando Romero, my bad. He is on the 40 man, my bad. Yes, he is, yes. He's on there, so if they wanted to bring him up in a, in a relief role, they could. Um, Randy Rosario, has he taken off and risking losing him? No, I'd take off. Um, where I'd probably go there is I'd also take off Anthony Recker. They've got four catchers on the 40 man roster, and they don't. And, no, Garver's on the 40 man, dude. They don't have to do anything. Yeah, Gar- Garver is. Garver is on there. Yep, yeah. you're right. So they don't have to do anything for I Garver. Forgot, I forgot they added him. They could take Anthony Recker off. They do not need to have four catchers on the 40 man roster. I'm not even, I'm, I'm not even sure why Anthony Recker's on the 40 man roster, to be quite honest. I mean, I really. I'm really kind of confused as to why that even is. So if it's me, I'm looking at Wrecker is going to be gone. Um, or I mean, off the I'm not, obviously not gone, but off the 40 man. Um, JT Shagwa off the 40 man, and um, Buddy Boshears. That's your three guys right there. Now that allows and you to bring up, that brings you well, that gets you Gonzalez, uh, Reed, and Curtis. Now, if you want to, if bring, you want to be Mason, well, no, or if you want to remember, if you want to bring up, you know, like. You had those other guys in the list. You know, now Kenny Vargas is already in the 40-man, so you bring him Kenny up. Vargas is already on it, so that's he's fine. good. Garver's already on it, so we're good. Yep. So, really, that's where it, it comes down to. I mean, that's, those are the moves that they could easily, you know, make. And and if you're – how about Ryan O'Rourke, who's on the DL for 60? He's done. Or Trevor May. How does that work? If you want to take them off it, because they're, they're done for the season – but they're on the they're on the forty man. How does that work? Yeah, I, I don't. There's there's specific rules with. Because Granite's on the forty man already, so he's all set. So that you, you wouldn't have to do any more than that. You could leave the rest of it the way it is. You wouldn't have to do any more because Garver's already there. Granite's already there. You're only having. To it's get basically the, looking at your pitching. Yeah, because Vargas is already there. Palk is already yep. there. So yeah, it's just to get. It, the, so Park is the only one. But I don't think Byung Ho Park's, Park's going to get the. I'd be, I don't. I don't see where he's going to play. That's what I mean. He's not going to get at bats. I mean, at most he's going to be like a, a pinch hitter, and it's like you're already going to have Polka on the bench for that. You're already going to have Garver right. on the bench for that. The days he's not catching, you know. I mean, you're and you're already going to have you know, and you're going to have Kenny's Vargas as well for when days he's not. You're already going to have three, four bats off the bench for you know power thump that are going to be pinch hitters. You don't need five guys sitting over there. That their their role is going to be you know, pinch you know power hitters. I mean, 
you just don't need that. And, it, and what all, that also doesn't do is it doesn't give Paul Molitor roster flexibility at all. So I don't, I, so I don't, I don't see that Byung-Ho Park probably is going to be in that September call-up picture. But getting rid of those, you know, those three guys off the, and you, I mean, you could take, you could take Dylan G off the forty-man. You'd have no, you'd have no risk in doing that. I mean, that, you know, that's not a, any big deal. So I mean, if you really wanted to, you could take Shagwa, uh, Dylan G. Um, and we mentioned um, Anthony Recker, and you know you could pick a fourth if you really wanted to bring Byung Ho Park. You know you you could you know you could get four guys off there, and there you go. You've got your forty man spot. So it's not like they don't have the flexibility. And Buddy Boshears. So it's not like they don't have the forty man flexibility in terms of the spots. It's just right. Thad and, and Derek. You know Levine and Fall. You just got to sit down and make a decision on okay. Well you know. Who's getting the shot? And I guess that's that's where we all get to sit and wait like kids at Christmas time until the presents get open so we can find out what that's we got. That's right. And hopefully when you open the box, you see, oh, this this young man from, from San Diego, California is now here. That's great. There we go. Now we got an arm in the rotation that actually is going to, you know, help assist us to, you know, push for a wild card spot. And it'd be interesting, you know, just to see, you know, Gonsalves do that, be a piece that in September would actually – you know, help drive the club towards a playoff spot. I mean, imagine if they actually got a wild card and he was a, you know, a contributing member to that in his first, you know, September up in the big leagues. That'd be, that'd be a pretty interesting story. That's that's for sure, and that's what we what we look for. So, um, with that, that that wraps up the final topic on in the dugout. It also means it wraps up the this edition of Talking Twins. So, I uh, always want you guys to remember, you know, and just uh, check out Talking Twins on the web at www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook, and that's at facebook.com slash Talking Twins. And, of course, we're on Twitter as well, and that is the handle of at Talking Twins. Remember, we are a part of the 4D Podcast Network as well. And, of course, the show is always located, er, or recorded, excuse me, from First Pitch Studios located in, in St. Paul, Minnesota. So with that, for Daryl Yates, this is Bradley Swanson. Um, until we get to talk to you guys two weeks from now, keep on pulling for the Twins. You know, we'll we'll keep digging up the stories, and we will talk with you guys just a couple of weeks here on Talking Twins. Go Twins! Talking baseball in Minnesota Ernie Allen and Molotov Krellick had a no-hit game Kirby Puckett, what a shame Heisel, Herbie, G-Man had their day We love